Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Randy, I mean, I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm terribly confused, but I think today I'll be Randy Baker. And on the Thought Leader Podcast, we find some quirky, some interesting, and some incredibly confident and capable people who share some very unique perspectives on thought leadership and also bear their souls in unexpected ways. So today we actually have a good interview for once. No, I'm kidding. We, we like all of our interviews. But this one was really remarkable uh, from the beginning just because of how it flowed. I mean, I love, I love the idea that, that you can just start an interview and see where it goes. This one took a lot of uh, beautiful and interesting paths within just the, what, 15, 20 minutes. So with that, um, we don't want to guide you into this one. We just want to start. And here's our interview with Amanda Slaven. So I really like the, um, the vertical stripes there. Uh, what do they symbolize for you, Amanda? This is a co-working space actually in my building. So I think a lot of since COVID, a lot of buildings have really invested in creating experiences so where you can work from home. So my baby's sleeping and there's 40,000 square feet of co-working space. So these these represent freedom and flexibility from from whispering in my home so that I'm constantly not thinking about my baby. Love that. <laughs> 40,000 square feet of co-working space. That's That's pretty neat. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And there's a lot of outdoor space and it's these headphones too are just the best noise canceling headphones. I do look like a DJ a little bit, but I wear them every minute of the day. Nice. That's like nearly an acre. I was just doing the math. That's that's crazy. It's huge. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. I have a, an acre of property. I'm thinking if this was co-working space, it'd be crazy. It's you unbelievable. Could have a lot of, you could have a lot of friends in your yard. Yeah. Yeah. Be a party. You could. There you go. So if you were to, it was really fun to hear in our brief one minute chat before starting today, you indicated that we should try to surprise and shock you with our questions. So we're going to, we're going to dig deep and see what we can do. Please. (laughs) So when you, so your earliest memory, what's that? Just, just to go all the way back. Mm -hmm. That's a, no one, I love people that have never, that I've never been asked a question before because then doesn't become the same answer, even by default. My earliest memory, I was three and I was looking at my sister through the window of the hospital um, and kind of like seeing her in that, in that little bed, you know, that babies go in when they're first born. And I remember eating Teddy Grahams. (laughs) It's aging me. I don't even know if Teddy Grahams are a thing anymore, but uh, yeah, I remember I, I had a whole thing with my sister where I thought she was my baby. And I had a situation when I was younger. I, I fell into a corner um, of a drawer and had to get like emergency stitches. And I was so upset. And so she was in the corner in like a bassinet. And I said to my mom, take my baby and let's go home. So I had an immediate relationship to her. And that's yeah, that's my earliest memory, I would say. And how does that relate to your business now, do you feel like? 
Well, I've always loved children and I was a teacher. I have a, I have a master's in curriculum and instruction. And I thought that me loving people, there was only like certain, at the time, there were only certain industries that I could get in, you know, like the social work or teaching and a lot of the industries now, like social impact entrepreneurship were not available to me when I was looking at what to, to be, you know, in terms of my career. So I ended up going into teaching just by default. But what I would say, I mean, in terms of my career right now, I that's a long convoluted response, but I've always tried to change the way people learn and push those boundaries. And I believe that learning is not limited to the four walls of a classroom and that we need to kind of blow those walls open and, and learn from our environments and from our community and from everyone. So I, I love the idea of every adult kind of having the innocence and openness and also curiosity of a child as they're going through the world and just constantly looking at ways to learn and to teach and to grow instead of thinking that they ever know everything because they never know everything. Love that. And we'll, we'll probe you a little bit more on, well, we are aliens. Uh, they've discovered us now through Congress uh, and so forth. So that's why we're going to probe you with questions. Oh, great. But, no, later, later, later we'll ask you sort of some more details about your business and other things. But like probably everyone else who talks to you, I'm really curious to find out more about your relationship with Tony Sue. Tony Shea. Rest Shai. in peace, Tony right? Shai. Yeah. Tony Shea, Shai. rest in peace. Tragic, horrible to hear about. I'm mean, so young. How did you get to know him and what was that connection and how does that tie in to the three year old yeah. memory of your sister? Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, Tony lived like as much as he was young when he passed, he, he lived probably more life than anyone I know. And he had the most childlike wonder than I, than anyone I've ever met in my life and, and just saw the world so differently from anyone else and operated from such a place of curiosity and exploration. And he always, you know, during COVID, I, I asked him, you know, I called him right when COVID started. I said, like, what do I do? Like our business catalyst was, was so focused. 70% of our business was our revenue was events. I said, what do I do? I'm scared. I don't know what to do. And these problems that are coming up for me are so daunting. I don't know, like, how can we continue to keep this business alive? And and he said to kind of think of, of the problems, like he always loved MacGyver. And MacGyver is a character, you know, that was always looking at the problems and then coming up with these really unique solutions and kind of being very resourceful and pulling from his environment in order to be able to to create the the opportunity and he said like think of it like macgyver and think of it like fun like a game and you know i get emotional when i talk about it but that was tony right he just wow. he he looked at the world in a way that was just like an explorer so my relationship with him started uh in 2000 i met him in 2011 early 2012 and he was the catalyst for me to start my business um, with him and my best friend, Robert. And uh, that was around 10 years ago. And he saw something in me that I didn't even really see, which was kind of like Tony's gift in a lot of ways. He was such a futurist and saw things before everyone. And yeah, he became our business partner, one of our first clients. I worked with him on multiple businesses, whether it was his downtown project initiative, he was revitalizing downtown Vegas after Amazon acquired Zappos. He put $350 million into downtown Vegas, whether it was with, with Zappos, whether it was with his music festival, whether it was, whether it was with his real estate projects. Uh, I just worked with him and learned from him and, yeah, and, and kind of really was 
taken aback by that childlike wonder he had. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. That's that's really beautiful story. And I'm, I, you know, choked up just hearing you talk about it. I, I don't know him all that well, except for his professional career. But the way you speak about him is beautiful. And I hope anybody listening just kind of does a shallow dive into into him and, and how they could they could do something like he has done. And what an what an impact! What a what a reach! He also he he shifted the entire way of thinking about business in so many ways. Um, interesting, yeah. Yeah, highly recommend his book, "Deep Dive, Shallow Dive: Delivering Happiness." Is just one of the best. It's not even really a business book; it's a human book, and it just really shares his story and it's his voice. And you can learn a lot from that from that legacy that he designed and, and his way of thinking. So. So that, that's an interesting lead into what I was, where I was going, where I wanted to go. Many people try to divorce their business life from their personal life. They try to mm. see business as something different to who they are and what they do. Looking through your website, first of all, Catalyst Creative is a great name. I really like that. But looking through that, you seem to go the opposite way. You seem to try and, and combine the personal with the business. Where did that come from and how is that working for you? Mm. Yeah, so I have always, I'm not the type of person that can splinter off parts of myself. Like I always just show up as I show up and, and fully. And some people, you know, it's an acquired taste to just be my complete and utter self. Like I can't fake it. So in terms of showing up fully to work, when I was, I think I, I think early on, I didn't really have a lot of role models or examples of what it looked like as a, as a woman to show up to work fully, uh, because, you know, I graduated with my master's in 2009, which was at the time the worst recession we had ever seen. It was like a hard year, not anymore, 2020. But I ended up in hospitality and nightlife after I received my master's in, in education, and I was the only woman and I really removed this whole part of myself of this kind of nurturing, more feminine, if you will, like from a psychological perspective, not a gender perspective, but the kind of the traits that the soft skills or the people skills or whatever you want to call it in the workplace, I, I kind of removed those for myself because I, I saw all the men at work and I found myself like, even though I was still me, I found myself forcing these parts of me to not show up and and pushing them as far down as possible and and telling myself I had to be a certain way I had to be assertive and I had to make sure to never be emotional never sh- you know never show my poker face like all these different skill sets that I saw from the the men around me and I really it really took a toll on me I felt very disconnected from myself after a few years and I felt like there was this huge piece missing of that teacher you know the person that really as much as I love business I also am very emotional and very sensitive. I'm very, very vulnerable. I like to show up fully and be able to share who I am completely. And so it ended up totally changing my perspective of what it meant to be a business owner, especially as a woman. And to embrace these parts of myself and the parts of women and men and non-binary, anyone and everyone, but these skills that are a part of them that don't normally belong in the workplace, I wanted to be able to invite those parts in because I felt that they had a huge value to play within the work that we're offering. And when we splinter any part of ourselves off, we can't tap into our most creative selves, our our most productive selves, just our, our main selves, our whole selves. Why show up any less than 
who you truly are. So I guess it's just like part personality, part learning from my past and part like make it just makes sense <laughs> to me. <laughs> so I, I find it interesting that you describe your business as both an agency and a learning platform. Have you separated the business into those two parts or do you see them as being very much intertwined? Mm. So we started as these Catalyst Weeks and Creative Weeks. So the company initially was designed and created to create experiences for downtown Vegas. So we brought 50 thought leaders, entrepreneurs, you know, these inspiring people, teachers, if you will, that were not necessarily didn't see themselves as teachers to downtown Vegas twice a month, every month for three days at a time. We put them up for free, showed them around. They explored the community that was that was being built there. And they gave talks and workshops for free to the public. So we brought 2,000 people over two and a half years to downtown Vegas, uh, brought about 250 talks. And we always said it was like a timeshare. We were asking them to share their time uh, with the people that lived in Vegas, whether it was Zappos employees, high school students, UNLV students, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people would show up for these talks. So that's how we started. So we've always been thinking through how to change learning. But then what happened was brands started to attend those experiences. And because we were using this engagement framework that I actually wrote my thesis on in education, it was this way, a very different experience. It wasn't the same old event where you would go and kind of leave and be like, wait, why was I there? People would meet their partners, their husbands or wives, their investors. It would catalyze their life into action. And so we ended up taking that framework, taking that understanding of inspiration, of engagement, of community building, and applying it to brands. And then over the past 10 years, we just started doing a bunch of work that was focused around brands telling their stories, brands building community, brands creating experiences that inspired and educated. But now we've realized that while an agency definitely helps to a certain extent, it also only helps to a certain extent. And we realize that we have to teach these brands how to fish themselves rather than just selling them fish all of the time. And so the teacher and me took that framework. We, we created a book in 2019. It became a bestseller. We turned that into a full curriculum, actually with HubSpot, that we gave to 1,400 professors totally for free to teach their students. And now we're turning that into a more robust learning experience that's still under wraps a bit, but we are creating a whole model of learning based on that understanding of engagement, the way that I define engagement. Very cool. What I think is interesting from kind of digging through a lot about you before the, before the chat today, as well as kind of the way you're speaking, all the way back to kind of looking through the window at your, at your sister is empathy and, and the emotion with which you talk about your friend who passed away this year. So the, the, the value of empathy and engagement, because it feels like that's a red thread through your work. So what, why, is that, why is that so important to you? Or is it, is it just, it happens to just be you and something you inherited? Or uh, how would you describe that piece? Yeah, I, I think that that I cut myself off from empathy because it was too painful to feel. I didn't have the tools as a young person to understand what empathy was. And when you're young and you feel like and you're empathic and you feel other people's feelings so deeply, you end up actually becoming very paranoid and very self-conscious and insecure because you think it's about you all of the time because you don't understand 
what's what you're experiencing. And because we don't teach empathy in school, we don't realize what's actually happening. And then we blame ourselves and then we cut ourselves off from it. And then we have to go through therapy and, and all this soul journey to be able to come back to that that part of ourselves, which I think we're all striving for. I mean, we empathy is what brings us closer to not only ourselves, but to the people around us, which in turn brings us closer to ourselves. So you know, I think that empathy for me was, I think when you work, I think every single person should work as, I, I always say this, as a teacher and as and like in the restaurant industry, like as a waiter or waitress or at end as a teacher, because you see these, these versions of humanity that really help you be set up for success because every single business is comprised of human beings. It does not matter what you do. At the end of the day, it's about the connection between humans. And when you're a teacher, you learn that very, very quickly. You see the potential and you see a child that just wants to grow, wants to learn and wants to be their best self. And you see the world kind of beat that out of them and it's it's devastating. And so when you see that at a very young age in someone, I don't think you can really go back on that. I don't think you can forget about that. Even if you do push it down because you think that that's what's right, it's always going to come back full force because you've been a witness to this opportunity of, wow, look at what humanity really is about within a child's eyes. So, you know, I think that teaching played a a huge role. I do think this is just who I am as well, but teaching enhanced that part of me. And then I had to find my own way on, on how I could bring that into business and how I could also relate to adults from that place because adults have a lot of blockers and walls that children don't have. And so I had to figure out how do I cut through a lot of these, this red tape and these boundaries in, in a good way. And that's through talking about business. I mean, adults talk, want to talk about business. They want to talk about success. They want to talk about money. They want to talk about productivity. And so writing a business book with the seventh level, instead of writing, you know, a parenting book or writing a relationship book or write, I wanted to kind of seep into people's lives through a mechanism that they didn't really, where they didn't see it coming. So we spend most of our lives at work. So why not talk about work and work is comprised of human beings. So why not start there? That is so cool. I really enjoyed hearing that because so often business folk don't look at the education factor. They don't look at, they don't look beyond selling what they want to sell. So I I applaud you for that. So we like to keep these short, sweet, punchy. I've loved what you said. I want to go back and listen to it all again so I can take it in more deeply. But where can people find you and who do you want to find you? <laughs> That's the best question. Who do I want to find me? I, I'm a big LinkedIn person. Anyone can find me on LinkedIn. There's so much about me there. They could certainly go to, you know, amandaslavin.com, which has all my other my other stuff as well. But LinkedIn, please. Who do I want to find me? What a great question. I really, I actually am open to everyone, anyone, anyone that's willing to go on my LinkedIn and add me or follow me or message me is, is probably gone through the levels of connection that they're, that they've earned that, that attention and time. So anyone and everyone, please. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. And, uh, oh, it's been a great, great opportunity. I appreciate the time being able to chat with you. Yeah, thanks for kind Thank of you. cutting that little piece out of your soul and giving it to us mm. today, too. That was really special. Yes. So, thank you. Indeed. I appreciate it. Well, Amanda, thank you for that. While wow, we covered a lot of territory, I think the thing that struck me most was impact, community, connection, all very important in the business world. And, uh, 
What a generous offer. Um, I love when we run into people who have had massive success and yet they're very accessible. So take her up on the offer that if you if you do the work to, to kind of find her uh, and reach out to connect, that she will connect in that meaningful and real way. And you can also connect with us by going to thoughtpartnergroup.com. There's a little button top right-hand corner. Um, I think it says free assessment. Click on that. Spend a minute of your time doing the assessment. We'll spend a couple of minutes looking at it and give you a response. That's it. We hope you have a good day, have a good life, and we'll see you the next time.